to have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200-inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. It sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So thought I'd sit down, record a solo this morning, uh, kind of recap some of my season, some of the hunts I've done, and um, some of the lessons I've learned, uh, things that are helping me out, things that I'm working on uh, to hopefully help you guys in your season. So we'll get right into it. Just want to thank a couple of my sponsors. I want to thank OnX. OnX has changed the way that I scout and hunt. I use this on absolutely every one of my hunts. Uh, you're able to catch maps or save maps of your area, so if you don't have service, you still have a map. You can still use your GPS in it. Uh, I use it for uh, scouting these units. I use it for real-time hunting, changing areas, uh, marking waypoints, marking camp, uh, marking uh, my truck. Uh, you can mark tracks on it. You can save tracks, so this really helped out like in New Zealand. I was in some really nasty cliffy country that I had to get back to camp and it got dark on me but I was able to follow my track right around the safe spot around these cliffs and get back to camp. Uh, you can use it uh, to tell private and public to really have confidence where you're hunting and some of these public lands can be an island of pl public lands uh, with a, a, a bridge of public land that goes to it and, and you have to stay within a quarter mile or within a half mile and you can mark those tracks as well. So um, an absolute game changer. I love the app. I love the guys over there at Onyx. So if you're in the market, make sure to check them out. I want to thank Black Ovis. Uh, I've been using Black Ovis. I've been using their game bags on the past couple hunts. They've worked really well. They have absolutely everything you need for hunting in there. All the top name brands. A bunch of our sponsors here on the podcast. And uh, you can save 10% by putting in the promo code ELEVATED10. Uh, they have arrow ID on there. Uh, they also have a, a point system where one point equals one dollar, and you can earn those through reviews. Uh, you can earn those through purchases. Uh, like I say, all the top brands, those guys are hunters in there. Uh, they listen to the podcast as well. Just great people. So if you're in the market for anything for this hunting season, make sure to go check them out at Black Ovis. I also want to thank Camo Fire. Camo Fire is an app where there's 80 new hunting deals that come up every 24 hours. Uh, you can get extremely good buys on the top name brands as it comes up. Uh, just great gear in there, uh, great value, and uh, you can watch that thing come up. It's an app called Camo Fire, and they do a great job over there, so make sure to check that out. I also want to thank Outdoor Edge. Outdoor Edge makes replaceable blade knives. Uh, and these replaceable blade knives, it's so nice. You don't have to carry sharpeners, multiple blades with you, just one knife, a uh, few blades, and the blades last a long time. The The Outdoor Edge blades are really durable, and uh, they they um, uh, really hold up to, to everything. And I can butcher an entire deer or an entire elk with an Outdoor Edge knife. Uh, deer I can do with one blade. Elk takes a couple. Their hide's so thick, but um, these blades really keep their edge well. It's a, a great knife for the butchering process and so nice to have such a sharp knife, which makes the process easier. So if you're in the market for a new knife, make sure to check them out at Outdoor Edge. I also want to thank Matthews. Matthews V3X is a shooter. Uh, my favorite bow I've ever owned. Uh, the thing I get 
great performance out of it. It's super quiet, and it's really forgiving. Uh, just put some great groups in there, uh, have great control of this bow, and it really holds its tune well. I've uh, been on multiple backcountry hunts, including the high country and uh, been to the, the prairie and all over the place, and I bring it home and the thing still shoots right on the money. So I uh, couldn't be more impressed with these bows. If you're in the market for a new bow, just go shoot one. Uh, I love their grip. I love everything about them. Their, um, their engineering team has done wonders with these bows. So, yeah, I'm so impressed by them. I, I also had a uh, Australian friend that's out hunting with me, and uh, his bow didn't show up. And uh, able to set him up with last year's bow, the thing still got a perfect tune in it, and he was able to pick it up and instantly get control of that bow and shooting it really accurately. So, uh, man, they hold a tune, just a great mountain bow. So if you're in the market for one, uh, make sure to go check them out and shoot them. And thanks to Matthews for their support. All right. Over at Eastman's, we've got uh, a bunch of things in the works here. So we've got that new Mule Deer School uh, I'm so proud at what me and Dan Bacar, Guy Eastman put together. There's so much information there. Uh, if you're interested, I know it'll cut the learning curve by multiple years. I mean, I have absolutely everything I've learned about mule deer hunting in this course. Uh, it's got over 100 videos now. We're continuing to add to it. I'm filming stuff this year for it. Uh, so if you're in the market or if, if you really want to up your mule deer game, make sure to go check it out. You can you can search Eastman's Mule Deer School and uh, it should pop up there and you'll be good to go. Also, make sure to check out Eastman's Tag Hub. It's our internet research tool. Check out our Beyond the Grid on YouTube. Uh, we've got some great new episodes coming up. I'm um, pretty sure that uh, mine have been released from last season, or at least um, one of mine, the, the High Country Hunt. And then I have another one that I've reviewed that's coming out here I believe this weekend uh, should be a good backpack hunt during the rut with my bow. Uh, really proud at how that one came out and got some new ones in the works. So uh, really excited to release those to you guys. So check that out. You can search Eastman's Hunting TV on YouTube. Uh, you also check us out on the Outdoor Channel. Check out our magazines, Eastman's Hunting Journal, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. I uh, just had an article come out in the new Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, uh, Mule Deer Jedi. Uh, it's a really fun one to write. Um, so yeah, I hope you guys enjoy it and, uh, thanks a bunch for the support. And with that, let's get into it, man. Oh man. Um, fall is here. Some just awesome adventures. Um, uh, man, bow hunting is extremely tough. These animals are so switched on. It, it definitely isn't easy, but, um, started the season an early high country hunt and, uh, did that one with a, a couple buddies. I did it with, um, Dylan Ness and Dan Haverin. Uh, a couple of my good hunting buddies, and um, man, we just had a riot, uh, ready for it, ready to dive deep in the backcountry, and you know, we get in there, and it's it's wild, you know, spots just change, and um, this place has been good to me over the years, and, and continues to be good, there's good bucks in there, but just seemed a bit off, it was so green in there, uh, such a good growth year. And I'm not sure what it is. I think there's definitely more pressure in the high country. There's more guys that are putting in the effort and getting up there. In fact, I'm seeing guys where I've never seen them before. And so, you know, I think they're, they're um, you know, pushing those deer off the tops and things and um, maybe not seeing as many in my spots, but it's still mule deer hunting. And um, it's just trying to figure out where those deer are going. And so, you know, I found that they've kind of got pressure down into lower country, still in extreme high country, but a thousand feet off the top, 
you know, just where guys aren't willing to go, 1,000 to 1,500 to 2,000 feet off the top. Uh, rough, rugged country, still a bunch of, of rocks and cliffs and gnarly shoots and slides and those basins down there. So it's really good hunting and able to get away from the pressure there. And my thought is that's where the deer get pressured too. Um, now, I didn't, I didn't find a bunch of numbers in there, but we all got chances. Um, all three of us uh, got stocks, got plays. I found a, a buck one night, and he was in a spring, and uh, it was the best buck I saw trip, and uh, just really good and heavy, older mule deer, and decided that, you know, that would be a buck that I'd want to shoot, and um, so the next day, couldn't make it to him that night, he was too far away, didn't have a good win, so the next day, I climbed up to the top, and then um, rolled out after him, and just, um, man, that that country... It's just so unforgiving and takes a bunch of mountain miles and elevation and just a good mindset as well. Uh, but cruised out looking for this buck. The um, lightning storms were off the hook this year, so uh, it was really gnarly up there in some of those storms. You know, uh, some really close ones inside a half mile that you just see the flash and the boom is right there. Uh, played it safe, didn't get caught on any ridge lines or anything, but even playing it safe, there's still some danger up there in those gnarly electric storms, you know, even getting into a good spot when you're talking hundreds of strikes, you know, that are happening above you and hitting hillsides. Um, you know, it, it does get a, a bit cantankerous, but, um, Oh, it's just super fun. It's just, it's a, it's an adventure. And, um, that's exactly what I was looking for. So went out looking for this buck, uh, it's a few days into the hunt. I'd been hunting a few of my different spots in there. Hadn't really got a play on anything, but that buck that I saw in the spring was a shooter. So I went out to go look for him, and um, man, about a mile away, uh, I glass up a good buck. And these bucks, you know, they're not just out in the open to let you see them. They uh, really cruising through partial cover and uh, tough to pick up. They've got their gray coats on, and so man, I just caught this buck in a back basin and, and a mile, mile and a half away from where I'd seen him in the spring. It took me a while to realize it was the same buck. Uh, he must have gone in for a drink. And I find these mule deer, you know, I don't see them drink every day, but every couple, three, four days, they might go to a spring and get a drink. And I think that's exactly what that buck did. And I caught him doing that. And then when I went to look for him, I caught him off the backside in this drainage. And he's just in the in the coolest spot in this gnarly slide he was feeding with another two point and they were forecasting gnarly storms that day and um so you know usually i tell you guys you know i wait till the afternoon bed get better directionals that cover my my sound as i approach the thermals get more consistent but you know with all these storms coming in though the winds were going to blow up and so i watched him bed in his first bed and decided to go for him i was maybe 30 to 40 minutes away from him. I uh, bedded, you know, it was fairly early, like 7.30 and some cover. And uh, I decided to go for him. Um, I decided, it, it was really cool because it's like uh, uh, all my knowledge of, of country and winds, they came into play here, you know, where um, I was able to look at the situation and go, okay, he's bedding there. Right now I got downhill thermals, but that valley's starting to get sunshine in it. Those thermals are going to switch around and come uphill, and I should have a good win and be able to get in there when that buck changes beds or gets up. So 
um, I went for it. And the the cool thing was is that as I'm making my way over, I had to run the ridge line over to him, and then I had to dive down a spur ridge line, and then dr- dive down below that to where that buck is. He's maybe you know maybe a thousand feet off the top or something like that. So um, I start cruising over there, and as I'm on that ridge line, the wind is bad the whole way over there. And I just keep thinking to myself, you know, this is just the 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 thermals. Um, I, actually, it's the the um, uh, thermals from the other side of the mountain that are pushing over the top that make it seem like the wind's going from me to the buck. But I know as I dive off this main ridge line, I'm going to get down into a different wind. So I keep pushing. I get to that ridge line and I start down that, and it's a totally wrong wind. Which in my younger years, I would have checked my wind checker and gone, oh, not yet. No, I'm going to back out to the vantage point, which a lot of times is the right move if you have a bad wind. But I just knew what those winds should be doing, and I believed in it wholeheartedly. And it was like one of the most beautiful things about this stock is just like the experience came into play. And so dropped down that spur ridge line. Uh, I had my cameraman with him with me, and I told him, I said, hey, wind looks bad right now. We're going to get down here. It's going to be blowing right in our face. And um, got down a little bit, uh, down off that edge where that other side of that wind wasn't affecting it. And sure enough, those thermals had changed around, and they were coming right up in my face. <laughs> it's like there's just nothing better than a wind in your face on a good epic stock, you know. And so I, I roll down, and then um, the winds change again. I get next to this rock face, and this rock face is shaded, and it's kind of blocking the thermal winds that are coming up. And so, again, the winds start pushing downhill and being wrong. I just told my cameraman, I said, we're going to get around this face. It's going to be blowing up at us. And, you know, I'm 90% sure that's what it's doing, you know, or 95. But you still don't know until you get down there and get a good wind. And the wind can be fickle. In fact, I just got busted by the wind oh, it was a few days ago on a bull, which I'll talk about. Um, God, it was just a crazy wind in my face and just got in a little bowl in the timber and the timber was kind of blocking the wind and uh, caught that elk 100 yards in front of me or 80 yards in front of me and I tried to back out and kind of get the wind a little bit better and they winded me and blew up. But um, So it's, it's not like... It's not like I've got it all figured out or that I'm perfect every time. The wind busts more stocks than anything out there. But if you can get it right and have this higher understanding of the winds, uh, you're just going to see more success. And that was the case on this one. I got around that rock face. uh, Wind came screaming back up at me, and now I'm in the game. So I start rolling over to where this buck is, and I can't see him. And it's kind of open timber, and I'm glassing it, and I'm just really moving slow. Like these stocks, you just can't make any mistakes. These mule deer are so smart. Elk are so smart. Antelope, like all of it, uh, and not smart, but just, I mean, um, uh, smart, but it's like these instincts they have for survival from avoiding mountain lions and avoiding hunters. And uh, they just get good instincts, and the older they get, the 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 better their instincts get and so I get down in there and start looking for this buck in there and uh, just take a step in glass take a step in glass all the way through this and I I get to where I think I should be shooting him and I just don't see him here and there's one more rise out in front of me I thought well I should just sneak over the top of that I can get in that timber I've got a good wind and hopefully I can turn him up from there and then shoot him when he changes beds and so I start making my way over there And then I look down below me and I catch this buck. And he's moved. He's maybe 120 yards down below me now. So 
now I've got to sneak back around and reposition and um, come down. You know, he's on like this spur ridge line down there. And so kind of reposition and start coming back down. And he was on his feet. I've got to get down there and kind of relocate him. I've kind of lost him again. And this relocation is such a huge part of the bow hunting stock. And it happens on almost every stock. So, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, you're, you, you, you hide your approach through ungulation through topography and then you've got to come back over that ungulation and topography and find that buck and when I saw the buck he was on his feet uh feeding left to right and so I get over there and I, I I'm coming down and now I'm getting close into bow range and I just can't quite pick him out and then I pick out the two point he was with and the two point then gets up and starts walking over and the two points in range I just can't seem to find this big buck and so I'm I'm just keeping this element of surprise I'm moving real slowly I'm making sure that nothing's seeing my movement I mean I'm just in there playing the game and um I see that two point walk over into some other trees and kind of look down and I kind of peek over the rock and just get a little bit higher and that bigger buck's right below me bedded so hold position get me and my cameraman set up and we're standing there and we stand there quite a while 20 30 minutes almost to where my legs start getting tired I tell my cameraman he can duck down or squat down you know to give his legs a break and that I'll keep an eye on the buck and just waiting for him to stand uh, I've got a range on him got my sight dialed and the the range see what was the range down there I believe it was it was 51 uh, and really couldn't get much closer. I was out of topography, but it was 51 at a 40-degree slope, so it was quite a bit further than that, probably towards my max range for sure. Uh, but it felt really confident with this bow and felt like I could make a shot if that buck stood. And so we wait. Finally, the buck stands, and again, all these motions are so slow. I get my cameraman up, but I'm I'm watching the buck watching his eyes, watching which way his head is before I bring him up slowly. And he gets up and gets on the buck, and then uh, we're just waiting for a shot. The buck turns, gives us a good broadside shot, and, um, man, I execute a good shot. I put the pin on my pole, and I hear, I hear, I don't hear the thud. I hear rocks, you know, and I thought, God, did I miss him? And, and the buck runs out, and then, you know, just a fighter, in the in the fight you know you just start reacting to the situation and the buck moves over uh stops gives me another window through an opening he's actually the exact same yardage and um and I put one right on him there and uh um good shot and he runs out and then starts wobbling and he lays down and I think he's going to lay down there and then he just proceeds to tip over and roll down that hill and again you know the shot was on a 40 degree slope it's a 40 degree hillside or more super steep super rugged and uh he rolls as fast as he can roll 200 yards down the hill just toppling over his horns and finally gets caught up in a tree and uh, just amazing, I mean, to shoot a high country buck like that and get the stock. And it's it's just this, it's the most extreme environment you can go hunt mule deer in, which is just wild. I just, um, I love hunting that country. It takes all year, my preparation, and there's no guarantees back there. But it's just a lot of miles and elevation. And I, I just love, um, I just love what it takes up in that country. So shoot that good buck and then... I do walk up to that buck, and then there's two holes in that buck. So I had hit him on the first shot. First shot hit a little bit low in the brisket right there, and um, uh, but definitely a kill shot would have killed him. And then um, second one punched him a little high, 
um, it hit him just perfectly in the lungs. It was high, but the arrow came down through him and exited. So he actually had two perfect arrows through him, which made me feel good. Uh, you know, I just hate missing. And so, um, well, and we'll get into that later in the podcast. Missing is inevitable and is part of the game. But on this one, two perfect shots. The first arrow I hit low, uh, both arrows passed through, and then I heard it hit rocks after it passed through them. So, um, man, so killer to pack that buck out and, um, you know, get them. It's hot. Got to get them to ice. And so we get them, get them to ice or pack them out. It's just this great pack out. This, like I say, the most extreme environment, been waiting all year long for it. And then arrow, the best buck I find up in there. It's just incredible. So pack them out and then go up and give my buddies a hand up in there. Uh, Dan ended up coming down with COVID up there and then it proceeded to give COVID to Dan and I. Uh, like uh, uh, we ended up getting it the next week. Um, you know, and it's just immune systems are down. It's like this exertion is really good for your body and for your immune system. But we're pushing our limits up there of miles and elevation. And uh, so, you know, you you um, actually dip your immune system or put this wear on your body. And so we ended up, uh, ended up we all got COVID. It wasn't that bad. You know, a couple of days I was over it. I don't hardly had a sniffly nose. But um go up there, give my buddies a hand. And um, both my buddies got good stocks and... Um, I believe they both got shots, which, you know, the shots in that country, they just super steep terrain, the highest degree of difficulty, you know, uneven footing. It just doesn't get any tougher. And um, so, yeah, those guys both had chances, didn't fill out, you know, definitely wanted to um, stay in there. We gave them a few days at glass and then the country is just tough. It seems like um, Spots are very rarely getting better. It seems like spots that I find, and I don't know if it's from my pressure or, you know, from, from other people's pressure, or it could just be an off year, but spots are, spots seem to be declining, you know, and so that's why it's key to continue to look for new spots, and so we're going to get into it, but um, I hunted a totally new area that I've never stepped foot in this year, and it was off the hook, and so we just need to continue to uh, continue to evolve, continue to push, continue to find new spots. And it's a combination between hunting spots we know, using the knowledge we know about the country, and then exploring further or going into to new locations to try to find the next hot spot. So we finish up that hunt, uh, awesome hunt, get back to work for a little bit, and then start hunting antelope. And antelope are the best. I mean, mule deer are the best, but antelope are also the best. It's like I love whatever species I'm hunting at the time. I just love the different challenge and a different habitat, and I just love bow hunting. And I believe each species gives me, you know, uh, uh, this greater knowledge uh, of bow hunting, that they teach me these lessons through experience. And so I really do love all the species I hunt. And for a long time, people would ask me what my favorite species is to hunt, and I couldn't answer it because if it's elk season, it's elk. If it's, if it's mule deer season, it's mule deer. If it's antelope season, it's antelope. But antelope are one of the funnest hunts out there. You just get so much good experience. And so I started diving in, hunting antelope, and made some really quality plays on bucks. Um, you know, I made, um, I, I was really looking for a next level buck. Um, you know, usually around 70 inches is what I'm shooting for. You know, I was definitely looking for a little bit bigger one and just to make the hunt last. And so I got four or five days hunting them and made some plays on some great bucks. It's just, again, it's just getting tougher. And especially Southwest Montana, where I'm at, um, used to be, I could get five stocks a day. Now it's like, I'm lucky if I get one stock a day and that one stock, there's just more guys out doing it. 
And uh, I don't know if our antelope population is down or they're refuging more on private land and in developments and things, but they're just getting tougher to find. And um, so it's it, it's bow hunting, getting tougher to find, um, getting maybe one stock a day that I'm getting out. And, uh, you know, there were some days that I didn't get a stock, you know, on my target buck and definitely past like some good medium bucks that I'd usually shoot. <coughs> Excuse me. kind of drinking coffee as I'm talking this morning, but, um, you know, definitely passed some decent bucks and, and made some plays on some big bucks. See my close calls. Oh, I had, I, I dived down into this ranch, but you got to park on top and you got to lose a thousand, fifteen hundred feet down into these sections that sit down on this ranch. And so I was chasing this buck all day long. He was by himself, really heavy, good mass. I chased him down and he went off public into the alfalfa field, into private and uh, so I just sat there and waited two hours while he fed around, and then he fed he fed back into public, gave me another chance, and just coyoting him, just keeping the element of surprise, doing all those things I talk about. Really wanted to kill that buck, especially he was solo, and he finally beds down in a little depression, and I'm going to make a play, and I start rolling down there, and I'm miles from where I parked my truck, and thousands of feet, you know, at least a thousand, maybe 1,500 feet down from my truck, and uh, been on him all day long, and I'm just closing in 150 yards and I hear a diesel truck <laughs> and this diesel truck drives up and that buck spooks out and it's, you know, a couple, couple of ranch hands from this ranch and they drive up real quick to me to ask me, do I know where I'm at? I'm like, man, do you know where you're at? Like it's a, uh, you're on state land driving off road. Furthermore, you just spooked this buck I've been after all day. My truck's parked up there. I'm totally in the right and legal and talk to these guys, and, you know, I don't get an apology out of them or anything. You know, they definitely don't feel bad, but they uh, they they finally figure out that I'm on state lands after I show them and explain it to them and where I came from and, and uh, leave me alone. But that just leaves me a long walk back to my truck, and it's like, you know, I spent six hours on that buck. But, you know, it just it just is what it is. It's just hunting, and, you know, stuff happens, and so, you know, I just figure I'll get after this buck later, and... So I had another day down on that same property down there, caught another lone buck. It was actually a different one that I think was bigger that just had it all, like a true 80-incher, the one I want to shoot, where the the heavy one before, he's probably high 70s, just a great buck, but um, I catch him down there, and he's bedded, and um, I sneak in, and it's like just using these winds again, these higher understanding of these winds. And the the wind's a bit dicey on this buck, but I'm able to get down below in this draw and kind of get left of him and get my wind right. And then this buck just gets up. You know, this is a, another couple hour stock, but I get down in there, doesn't know I'm in there. And he gets up and he starts feeding right at me. And, you know, he moves from 140 yards to 120 to 100 to 80. Like, he's coming right into me, and he's going to come right by me and give me a good shot. And all of a sudden, a couple does off to my left kind of show up on the hillside, and he just decides he wants to go take a look at those does and sniff them. And so he goes over to those does and then just runs a miles out of the country. And so that's my stock. It was like really close. It was going to come together and, and blew up. But, you know, I'm just really, I was really proud at like the patience I'm showing on these animals, keeping the element of surprise, not giving myself away, just playing really smart plays where eventually it's going to come together. And so I actually start walking out of there. It's the evening time. And so uh, I got a long walk back to my truck again, climb up out of the hill. And 
you know, these antelope, I'm just having to go in further and look for places uh, that guys won't go where I can find these antelope on public. So a lot of these walks are long walks to get into this vast country. And this is what I've been doing the whole antelope season to get plays. And so I start walking back up to my truck and I look back and here's that buck and he's standing up on the ridge and he's still a half a mile from, you know, he's actually on private. He's not even on the public piece. And uh, so I keep walking up and keep an eye on him. And that dang buck, he he goes right by where I was sitting in that draw and walks right by there. Like if I just would have sat there, I would have had to sit there for another hour till dark. Uh, but if I would have sat there, that buck would have ru- walked right by me and I would have got a shot. And he walks right by that position, then drops down out of that public again and uh, back into the alfalfa field. It's like, man, you got to be kidding me. Uh, there's no way I could have known and no way I would have sat there for that long. Like I sat there for a good 10, 15 minutes to see if he came back and nothing, but I just thought it was kind of funny. Those antelope have a mind of their own. And then, um, so start traveling further from my house. I just start traveling, looking for new areas. It's just a great opportunity for me to find new spots. And so, uh, found a little block management, a couple hours away from my house. One day I had the day to hunt. In fact, I think I worked the worked the morning, got some stuff done, and then hunted the afternoon. So end up a couple hours from my place. Uh, totally new spot and uh, glass a good, heavy, mature antelope buck, and he's by himself. You know, he's kind of bedded up on this bench, and so um, figure I'm gonna make a play. And so a long ways over to him, but um, across I'm able to hunt this alfalfa field through this block management. So across through that, and then up into these. Um, kind of canyons and coolies that are open sagebrush country and start making a play on this buck and I pop out I, I find the buck circle around I've got a great wind in fact almost too much of a wind um, maybe a, a, it's got to be 15 miles an hour maybe even 20 miles an hour. it's a pretty stiff wind and uh, catch this buck down in a draw as I circle around and he's 45 50 like just right in my wheelhouse and trying to get a range, trying to set my pin, try to draw my bow, come up over the top. And I'm moving real slow and controlled, but these antelope are just so good at catching you coming up over a rise. And uh, he he catches me. I think he actually catches me before I draw. I think I got a range on him, you know, and I'm trying to get my bow set. And I think he catches me there and he spooks off. Uh, but he stops at about 10, 15 yards and looks back, able to get a good range, uh, settle my pin. Uh, I lean my, my, I'll, I'll lean my cam into the wind. I practice that as I live in windy country. So I give him full bubble and then, um, put it right on his shoulder as I know that arrow is going to drift back. And, um, the arrow does drift back. I execute a great shot in the wind, let my pin settle, execute, and, um, yeah, shoot a shoot a great arrow. I was really proud of my execution. The arrow did not hit exactly like I wanted it to. It drifted a little farther back than I wanted. Um, got that buck bad and hurt him bad, uh, but it wasn't that quick double lung. You know, it's more like that that liver and and um, so I know he's gonna die. Uh, but he runs down a hundred yards and beds down again. There's an approach to him, and I just want to give this antelope a quick death. And um, so I, I watch him for a while, see if he's going to gonna die there, you know, a while, being a couple minutes or a few minutes, seeing how bad he's hurt. And uh, his head's not wobbling, and um, I'm sure it's a lethal shot, but there is an approach where I can get down there. And so I sneak around him. I think the second shot was like 39 and put a perfect arrow through him and stands up and dies. And 
um, antelope down. I just, I had this, like, you know, butchering this animal. I just enjoying the whole process of just being able to bow hunt. I'm in the fall and this great antelope buck in this new place and just this appreciation for the landscape. And I have this, like, wild thought, you know, like after talking to Marlin, you know, like, um, I just have this wild thought of these, these animals that I, that I harvest, like they're, this country that I'm hunting is actually a piece of me. Like all these adventures I go on in these different places, and this is a bit hippy dippy here, but, uh, all these adventures I go on in these different places, like, you know, this antelope buck thrived in this, in this country, in this, this prairie habitat. And, um, you know, he was able to grow to be, you know, whatever he was, four or five years old and be a great mature buck for the area and uh, lives off the, the the grass and the sage and the, um, you know, the, the, the natural habitat there in this area. And I, I just had this, this thought, you know, you harvest these animals that live from this area and then these animals, you know, then nourish, nourish me to um you know to go to these different places and things but we really are a part of all these animals that we harvest we're really a a part of all these places that we get to hunt and i just think of these you know whether it's that high country mule deer whether it's that antelope in the prairie you know it'll sustain me and my family for the next year just so appreciative of these animals so appreciative of the wild country so appreciative of this life I get to live where I get to go have these adventures and just really feel alive when I'm on them it's just such a great reset for me uh, it's just the best so able to harvest a, a really nice antelope um, make good plays on them and um, yeah able to pack them out of there and that's uh, first first mule deer hunt antelope hunt and then um, then I back to work for a little bit and then I've got another mule deer hunt coming up so this mule deer hunt was really fun I took like a long weekend four or five days and uh, just before I got started with elk and um, I've got this new location I want to hunt this new location I want to hunt is like it's like real breaky country um, it's kind of like foothills or um, um, more like breaks than anything you know not it's not a big mountain hunt it's like a breaks hunt and really you know I think some of these spots you know with the high country getting so popular like these spots are going to be the next oasis though the next good hunting spots you know and I have a bunch of these spots that I hunt but this place I'd never been never been even close to this place never seen this country and it couldn't have been more beautiful it was like it was so clean there was no trash it's got all this like sandstone in it all these sandstone formations and cliffs and giant rocks that these bucks are bedding by and um tons of uh, topography and and uh, little draws that that feed into other draws or feed into main draws that go down and um so just a, a ton of ungulation and topography and then you know if you don't travel this country right uh, you're just busting coolies all day long like up and down these coolies you could do 20 of them or 30 of them but if you hunt this country right and take main ridge lines down you're really able to get down and it was key in this place you know and 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 key this season so far and all these hunts it's just master vantage points so i use a combination of master vantage points and also a mobile vantage point uh mobile vantage point would be like a ridge line that i'd work that i continue to glass from every good spot and it is just like this feel of country but the master vantage points were key it seems like every time we'd get to a master vantage we'd find a buck but place couldn't have been more beautiful clear crisp no smoke or anything and um and some bucks so uh, a brand new spot, able to find 
the these these brakes that are really holding a bunch of bucks in there and and good bucks um best bucks i've seen all season i chased a buck that you know it was 190 inches if he was an inch you know just great big backs great big fronts and uh so we're we're seeing bucks and we're making plays and the um that big buck i saw him one night moving across and then um, I worked down the ridge to get a different view as he disappeared from me. I found him in his bed with an hour left of light and it just wasn't the play. The, the wind was coming from my approach. The wind would have been wrong. And you know, it's like I kill a lot of these bucks just by going for it and giving myself a chance. But this wasn't one of those, one of those times. This was a spot to be patient and really wait um, and try to catch this buck the next morning. And I went the next morning and could not catch that buck or turn him up. Uh, look for him for another day and, and couldn't find him. I did turn him up later in the hunt, but, um, so I just keep hunting and the buck hunting's good. I went with my good buddy, um, Dan Heverin, he went with me. And so he's getting plays at bucks. And, uh, you know, when you can find like a good hunting partner that you can team up with that actually adds to your experience, uh, just works, um, so good to learn new country. And so we would split up every day and then meet back, uh, we did a lot of days. I mean, it was hot. It was 100-degree heat. So we had movement the first hour and the last hour, and that was it. And uh, just scorched through the middle of the day. And so we'd spend time in shade. Uh, we'd meet up in the middle of the day a couple times and then just hang out in the shade. And, um, man, I was hot. Like, I could deal with 80, 85-degree heat. And I can deal with the 100-degree stuff, too. But uh, it was just um, it was really warm. Uh, but we, we just wait out the days and then we just make the most of the mornings and evenings on master vantage points, on moving vantage points and diving deep into country. And so found that big buck, uh, got a play on another good frame buck. Um, man, it was just like needed 30 more seconds. So they were down the, the ridge from me. And again, this country, it's, um, you know, sometimes you can bet a buck down and sometimes, um, you know, I'm not just looking for a bedded play on these bucks. I'm looking to hunt these bucks on their feet as well as they're disappearing into thick cover. So almost a combination of hunting them like mule deer, hunting them like elk, just looking for opportunities to get into them. And so I uh, see these two bucks and they're feeding in the morning. And um, they're feeding on a ridge line kind of across from me. And I'm able to get around and make a play. And I just, I honestly needed 30 more seconds. I'm cruising down this ridge line and I keep seeing this buck. I keep myself, I keep the element of surprise. And I, I get up there and he's just crossing the saddle. And he's just feeding over the saddle into this thick country. And um, I think I can catch him there. I come up over the top and he's just gone. I don't see him. And so I circle around and I circle around to where I think he is and get a vantage point over this thick cover that he's disappeared into. And it, at one point, I heard a buck breathing down there and heard some sticks breaking. Like it almost sounded like a cow breathing or something. And I could hear him breathing down there. I knew these bucks were down below me in this thick country. And I waited there for a couple hours just waiting for one of these bucks to expose themselves. And I actually had a shot at both of their exits. And... Um, you know, talk about breaking my rules. I like, I thought, gosh, should I throw a rock and just see if they pop up out of there? And I thought, no, no, just be patient. So I wait the two, two and a half hours. And eventually my wind just seeps down into that basin. Like I, I don't know how is a pretty good wind, but you know, it just got a draft and then those bucks blew up, came up the other side and then never gave me a shot, went looking for them, caught them on the next ridge line, and they just kept moving and, and never did get a shot at them. So I did get a play on a buck, uh, which anytime I'm getting stocks, it's just a matter of time. And 
like the best hunting is when you can get a stock a day or something. And me and Dan were averaging a stock a day. Like we really found a gold mine. And the good thing is this tag stays open for a while. So I'll be able to make other trips. But um, man, what a hunt. It was just action just on bucks. And it, it taught me a good lesson too as I was moving through this country. You know, it just... If I'm in country where there's game animals, I just really need to slow down. And the way these coolies and these brakes work is that it there's so much topography, which is so great for bow hunting. But seeing these bucks from the master vantage point gives you the element of surprise. You know where they are. You can sneak to their position. But as I'm hunting my way through this country, a lot of times I'd expose myself, you know, and the bucks would be 200 to 400 yards. And they're so crafty and so switched on, such good um, instincts that um, I'd actually get caught by bucks before I'd get a chance to hunt them. Now, not all the time. We were pretty good at picking them up, but I had three different instances where I busted bucks just rolling through this country. And so it just taught me, you know, I've just got to slow down more. I've just got to hunt my way through country. Anytime that I expose any new country, whether there, I, th- I know there's bucks in there or not, I've just got to glass it. And so when I'm coming over a ridgeline, I just start picking apart what I can see, then take another step, pick apart what I can see, instead of like rushing to get over to the vantage point. So one time I got busted. It was a great buck. And um, it was in the evening, and Dan and I had been hunting hard. We were actually hunting together at this point. We had hunted the morning separate, joined up in the middle of the day. Now we're hunting the evening. And um, we're just doing this mobile vantage point, working up this ridge line and glass, and we don't see anything. We've got so far to go back to the truck. And um, so we start hunting our way back down through, and we get to this little spot, and we're up on these these buttes or these, these rock outcroppings and um, catch a smaller buck up through there and uh, pass him up, and then I'm walking out to the vantage point. I'm leading the way, so there's nobody to blame but myself. But it's just like you have this, oh, I'll just walk out to the master vantage. I'll sit down, and I'll pick everything apart because you can see so much country. It's almost overwhelming. Instead of, like, the minute that this country starts to expose, glass that and then take another step, and that'll expose more country, and then glass that. Just make sure there's no bucks in there. So I, I roll, I sit down, and instantly pick out this buck that's standing, that's looking in our direction. And he's four or 500 yards off, and he's a great buck, but he's on to us. And um, pretty soon he spooks, and we just watch him go over break and ridgeline and relocate. And, man, I mean, he just moves two, three miles in the wrong direction, you know, just going away from us. And it's so frustrating. It's just like those chances are so few and far between or – like those, you know, finding or locating a good buck. And then I screwed it up by moving too quick and um, blowing that buck. So there's that one. I'm trying to remember the the other ones that I spooked before I got a chance. Oh, uh, that buck that I got a stock on. So I'm actually rolling to another master vantage point. So I'm covering country and I'm a couple, two, three miles deep in country and the lights are just starting to come on. And so I'm rolling this this ridgeline, and so I pop the ridgeline to kind of glass down, and um, there's that. He was a giant frame three by four, just real heavy, older deer, and uh, he's staring right in my direction. He's already got me. I try to make a play around. I mean, he's only a couple hundred yards down below me, so I disappear out of sight and try to make a play down and around. It didn't work out. They were gone when I got there. I actually picked him up on a far ridgeline going up. Uh, But again, I busted this buck without getting a chance at him. And so I'm hunting this mobile vantage point through country where I'm working this ridgeline. I'm trying to glass everything. 
you know, I don't know if I should have known that buck was in the bottom, but again, just move slower. And when I'm exposing new country, glass it, take a step, glass it, take a step, glass it. And so, yeah, that, that was um, two bucks that I stocked. I think they were uh, two bucks that I blew out before I ever got a chance. And you talk about a five day hunt. You know, if I would have got three more stocks, there's no doubt in my mind that I would have put a perfect arrow in a buck. But it's um just a lesson that I have to learn. And it's like, you know, throughout season, it's just um, this experience teaches us so much. And it's just picking up on this little stuff and um, trying to hunt as effective and efficiently as we can. But what an amazing hunt out there. So um, I did get a good stock on a buck. Uh, Dan actually had this buck at 40 yards in the morning. And, you know, Dan's on his own hunting journey as well, where he's learning these lessons too, where, you know, his lessons that he's learning is to really slow down at the end of the stock, to move as slow as he can, to keep the element of surprise, something that he learned on this hunt that he really wants to work on. And so he got 40 yards from this buck. It was in a perfect spot and um, kind of blew up on him. And then later in that afternoon, I end up turning up this same buck. So we called him half and half. He had half velvet on one horn, and then his other horn, he had all his velvet ripped up, and it was hanging off that horn, so we called him half and half, and uh, just a great older buck with big backs. And now this buck isn't going to score giant, but he's a big, old, mature mule deer, great frame, great backs, and so I figure, well, I'm going to make a play. And just had this perfect play on him in the evening as him and another buck are feeding this shaded hillside. And I you know, sneak all the way around, up over the top, takes me over an hour, and coming down on them, and I just don't see them in that draw, don't see them in that draw, and then pretty soon I see their horns, and they're bedded down in this brush in there, and the bigger buck is staring up in my direction, and so I don't have a shot, and they're like 20 yards, 25 yards, and um, so the the smaller buck finally gets up, and he works to my left and walks by me, broadside 25 yards, and he's a, a good, decent four, it's just this other buck's better, so I... I'm just waiting, and this the other buck stands up, but he's looking up and in my direction, so I can't come over the ridgeline and try to shoot him right there. I've just got to stay still, stay hidden, and the buck turns around, and like, it's so intense, but this is, like, I just played so many things perfect. I I was really slow on my approach. I had a great um, uh, plan for my stock. I turned up the bucks before they turned up me, and even though he was staring in my direction, he was just bedded looking up. He didn't know I was there, so I had the element of surprise. Uh, I didn't ex- stand up and try to expose myself and get a shot at this bedded buck at 25. I just remained patient. Smaller buck walks by. I'm keeping my eyes on him. I kind of duck down a little bit so he doesn't see me. Walks by at 25 yards. Other buck stands up looking in my direction. So I just played everything perfect. I'm like in bow range and I'm, I'm really slow and controlled just how I want to be on a stock. And that bigger buck, he turns, and then he's taking the same route this other buck is taking. So my rangefinder reads 25, but it's a steep downhill angle, like 35, 40-degree slope, something like that. So he's probably actually like 35, but my hold is 25 on him, if that makes sense. So he walks by at 25 yards, and his head kind of goes behind this bush, and he's going to walk out and expose himself. So I draw when his head's behind the bush. The other buck is behind, like, this fir tree. Um, so like his head isn't exposed to me, the buck's head comes by and I figured this is going to be my shot and I draw back and that buck walks out and, um, he's looking away from me. But the problem is, is I can only see the top third of his back. 
So I'm drawn back. I never did set my pin, so I shoot a five-pin mover. So I've got 20 through 60 on my set pins, and then I can dial my pin to the exact yardage. My 60 pin will dial all the way to 25, or it'll dial to 55 or 65 or wherever that buck is. And I didn't dial, and that may have been my critical mistake in there, but... I knew this buck was 25 yards, and I was just thinking when he stood up, I'm just shooting top pin a little high on him, and uh, it'll drop right in there, so my top pin's 20, so as his head's exposed, he walks out, and I can only see like the top third of his back, but if I put it right on the edge of the brush on that top third, it'll drive down through him and kill this buck, and he's 25 yards, and I hold my draw for 30 seconds as he stands there. So I'm getting towards the end of where I can hold this draw where I'm going to either have to let down and shoot. And I chose, well, I think I can get that shot in there. But again, it's trying to tuck it in a tight window right above the brush line. And so I put my 20 right above the brush line and I execute a good shot and the buck runs off. And I'm like, oh, man, he's so dead. Like he was 25 yards. Give me shot. And um, he runs off unscathed. Clean miss. <laughs> uh I had put my 20 pin on the top of the brush and he was about 25 and so I thought my 20 pin would just get over top that brush and dive into that buck and would hit him perfect. It ended up being too low in the brush, kicked my arrow low, uh, my arrow was down there in the dirt. I missed that buck at 25 yards. So it hurts, but you know, there's you can't have him back. I'd, I was making decisions in real time. I executed good shot. I had done so many things right up to that point, and, you know, it just is what it is. You just have to accept it. I can either let it ruin the hunt or um, keep hunting. At least I didn't wound the buck or something like that where it would have tainted the hunt. The buck's going to make it okay. 50-50 lives, and uh, missed him and had to go back and tell Dan about my miss, and he had actually watched the whole thing come go down from his vantage point up there. But um, it's just... It's just bow hunting, um, and it just happens. So, nothing to do but get back after it, start chasing bucks. I did find that that bigger buck, that giant one I had been hunting, and I was down to, wasn't my last day, it was my second to last day, and I found that giant buck, and he had actually just moved around the corner about a mile or so, and I got a different vantage point. Again, turned him up from the master vantage points, which are so key, and um so started um, making a play on this buck. He was a long ways off, like a couple miles. And I could tell, you know, he's a big buck. I couldn't tell it was that exact buck until I got closer, but I could just tell he had a huge frame. And this buck is such a giant. I'll post the I'll post a picture on Instagram for you guys to take a look at him. But just giant backs and um, giant fronts. He just had it all. And so I watched these bucks, and they bed in their morning bed. And, um, you know, it's just like... This, this afternoon, evening bed just isn't working in this country. Like, um, they just, some of them will bed in the open, but most of them are just diving in the thick cover. And so we're forced with trying to hunt them in their feeding features or hunt them when we can see them and try to make a play. The good thing about this breaks country is it doesn't really have the mountain winds. They're more consistent winds. Um, so I watch them in the morning and I think about just waiting till the evening and then watching them come out in the evening and trying to make a play. But they bed down and I know his exact location over there. Um, in, I know the exact group of trees. He's in a small little three, four pines together and an open face bedded in his, in his morning bed. And so I decide to make a play over there and see if I can relocate him. There's kind of a ridge with a good wind that I can glass over on him. So I get up there, you know, it takes me an hour plus hour, 
15 minutes to get over there. I've got to cross these canyons and coolies, lose a bunch of elevation, gain a bunch of elevation, but I start making it over there. I start glassing for that buck and that group of trees as I'm kind of climbing up the opposing ridge line. And I spot him. And, and he's actually changed beds. Now he's like up on the top of the ridge and bedded there. And he's just bedded in the perfect spot where I've got a good wind. Where if I can just cruise up this ridge line, I'm going to get uh, uh, maybe a 50-yard cross canyon shot right on him right there. And he's going to have no idea I'm there because i got the ridge line, the opposing ridge line that will hide me the whole way up there. So I start booking it. And then I, I get over and I peek again. And here comes this elk walking right towards this buck. And he actually walks right by him, and I'm like, oh, is he going to get this buck up? And so I watch for a second, make sure things don't blow up. The buck stays bedded there. Bull walks by. I'm like, great. And so I keep cruising up that ridgeline, and I'm just climbing as fast as my legs will carry me up this ridgeline, trying to make time up this ridgeline and cut him off at the top. And I peek over again, and he's up on his feet, and he's feeding towards the back end of this basin. And so I'm just rushing up this ridgeline to get up there, get up there, get up there. And um, now I'm catching him on the top, and he's moving from left to right. So he's moving quite a big distance. He's going to go find another bed. And I'm just right behind him. The, the last point I see him is 100 yards. I disappear again, and I pop out, and he should be 50 right there. And there was two bucks up there, um, a big three and then this giant buck. And I get to where he should be about 50 yards, and I'm right where he should have crossed the direction he's headed everything, and I freeze. And I freeze for an honest five minutes right there, just knowing that buck's got to be somewhere just so close right there. And so I'm just waiting, trying to pick him out, trying to pick him out, just nothing, nothing, nothing. And there's some folds to country. And so, you know, if I can make it another, you know, 80 yards, 100 yards, then I can look over another little coulee where he made it possibly bedded. So I waited five minutes. I actually know better here that I am so close to this buck that I should wait here or I should back out and I should come look for him in the evening. And it just gets the better of me. Like, I know my buddy Dan is fine, but we've got one vehicle. You know, Dan's hunt's already over with. He didn't see anything that morning. So, you know, he's back at the meeting spot. You know, we're supposed to touch bases around a certain time. And I, I just let let it get into my head. Dan would have been fine. I could have spent the whole day out there. I could have backed out. I could have came back in the evening. And sure, it's five, six miles deep to where this buck is, but no big deal, you know. And so... I just get antsy. I'm just like, oh, well, I'm here now. I should just pop over and look over that next little ridge line, and I take five steps, and I blow that buck out. He's honestly, like, right in front of me, 50 yards, and he's behind the big fir tree or a, a, a big um, uh, needled tree, like, right in front of me that I couldn't see through, and so he was either feeding behind it um, or bedded behind it in the shade, and both those bucks blew out of there. He stops on the ridge, and looks back but it's just a bit too far and bit too far to take an ethical shot at that buck so um just let him go and um never to be seen again look for him my last day couldn't find him in there oh i knew better to not keep moving i like i my instincts were telling me don't go any further he's right here somewhere and um i did anyways i did wait five minutes at that spot i didn't see him that buck was just better than me that day but, you know, it's a place that I can go back to. It's a place that I can hunt again. And it's a new spot to me. And I just, um, so amazing. Like, such a great adventure. And this is why we just continue to look for new spots. We continue to develop spots we know. We continue to go to 
to new vantages and new canyons. And sure, we strike out, but eventually we hit gold, and I hit gold with this spot. I don't know how many bucks we saw in there, but probably 20 different bucks. We hunted a, a multitude of different breaks. We actually moved around a little bit. We were trying to learn. And um, so we moved to different drainages uh, uh, last um, last day in that spot. Um, you know, we, we I looked for that that buck I think that evening and then last morning went to a new canyon maybe I looked for him in the morning no it went to a new canyon in the morning and then um turned up another shooter just a long ways off no play at him uh Dan got a play at a buck just awesome country but that's why we continue to expand our knowledge and we build these necessary skill sets to be able to go to these different places and be able to dissect it and turn up bucks. But what a hunt. Just absolutely amazing. Chasing bucks, chased the the best buck of the year I'd seen, um, came so close. I missed 50-50. It was just an unreal hunt with my best buddy, you know, which was so fun. So, um, yeah, I just got to make it back there. I just got to find time. Just so busy. Um, construction and houses, you know, it's... Um, I've definitely been able to get in the woods and and um, enjoy my time out there and enjoy the mountains and the the wilderness and, and enjoy the long walks and elevation. Enjoy the stocks. I've I've enjoyed every part of it. It's been a great reset for me, uh, but I am extremely busy and so, you know, time's limited when I can get time. Got to come back, work away on things, and um, yeah, just trying to get a couple homes finished up. I sold my house, so trying to get into my new house, I'm actually going to have to have a, a rental in the inner room, so I'm going to have to move here during hunting season, which is, you know, not my favorite, but it's just like a better move for me and my family and will equal better hunting seasons in the future. So, you know, I'll lose a little bit of hunting in November when I have to move, but just is what it is. Um, just got to make the most of the season and enjoy my time out and, um, Man, it's it's definitely been that. I've had adventure. I've had stocks. I've had close calls. Um, I've learned a lot. Like uh, it seems like the best experience is being out there and then just learning from those um, those encounters. And so you know, it's taught me to move slower and really hunt my way through country instead. Like I've always got this, you know, move quick, get to a spot, and then look. You know, and I just need to slow down in between spots, especially when I'm in good deer country or good elk country. Like the game is to see them before they see you. So as I'm moving through country, I can't blow these stalks before I get a chance. And so just like on that hunt, there was, you know, three bucks that I had blown up before I ever got a chance at. Now, you know, there was, you know, 20 other bucks that we spotted that we did see first, but those three those ones burnt me, especially that one out on the vantage point with Dan, because that was a really good buck, and he was bedded in a good spot, and I just blew him up. But, um, yeah, and just taking taking my time, like these stocks on all these animals, they just have to be perfect. There's no rushing it. There's no shortcuts. There's You just have to put in your absolute best play, slowest play, trying to pick them up. And, and I'm not going to win every game, but I just— if you could be money on your stocks and, and money on your shots, there'd be a lot of animals that die. And so, you know, I'm I'm just in the same boat as everybody else where I'm just trying to improve my skill sets to get to a point, you know, where I give myself the best chance of success. So um, just always improving, student of the game. And then from there, going to elk hunting here, um, my moose tag opens. Um, gosh, it actually opens tomorrow. I forgot i gotta get my truck in to get new brakes today <laughs> they're you know just so busy but my moose hunt opens tomorrow uh actually gonna start hunting the day after tomorrow i believe i can take off friday and then 
take off through the weekend, take a couple days next week or a few days, going to hunt for moose, hunt for elk, but elk has been off the hook. I've actually got some buddies here. Dan showed up. He's been hunting elk here. He had a couple close plays. I've got a couple guys, a couple buddies from Australia that are staying at the house and then going out and camping and hunting, and I've been trying to kind of team up with them as well, show them some areas, and then... Um, uh, they've been getting on elk. They've been close. In fact, one of them missed a 40-yard uh, shot the other day. Uh, not to not to call him out on the shot, but uh, hold on one sec here, guys. Um, my hour's up. My phone's ringing. Let me just get this, and then I'll jump back on, and we'll wrap up. All right. Back. Um, Man, I had to run my daughter into school there and answer phone calls. The day's getting started. That's uh, why I got to jump on here early and get it recorded. But yeah, it's just been an awesome season. Man, I've had so much fun on these mule deer hunts that uh, antelope hunt and then started elk hunting. Uh, it's been crazy good lessons I've learned with elk hunting. Man, it's just, um, it's like all these stocks just have to be perfect. So I have got a couple plays on good bulls. Um, still early. It's like the 14th now. It's just coming into prime time. And I do have some days off coming. I'll be able to hunt this weekend and next week uh, for that moose and for elk. Um, moose is going to be tough. It's uh, master vantage points and there's still no guarantees. There's just less of them in country. So I've been scouting pretty hard. I am still yet to see a shooter. So uh, I saw a small bull on Saturday. My buddies actually saw a pretty good bull uh, Friday or Saturday, something like that. So um, probably go back in and look for him, but uh, just be nice to get started, start putting on the days and the vantage points, but man, elk hunting has been fire. Um, elk are so fun. During elk season, elk are my favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, just the, the bugle and the rut, it's just been crazy good. So I got on a really nice six point the other night glassed them up and they were just working into the trees and so got down in there into the trees got a good wind started working up I actually had this bull like I was just walking and glassing the edge of the trees where they disappeared moving really slow again trying to use those lessons that I learned on that mule deer hunt that when I'm into elk to really move slow and control keep the element of surprise and sure enough I catch this bull bedded in front of me and he's bedded like 80 yards and so I put some trees in between me and him gonna scoot up pop up at 40 yards and um, try to shoot this bull when he stands up. Great big six point. And uh, closed in, got to that 40 yards, and I hear a bugle up to, into my left. And I'm like, man, that's not him. That's quite a ways up there. It's got to be right here. And so I just kind of keep creeping around, and that bull's nowhere to be found. So in the minute or two minutes that it took me to, to move that 40 yards. Now, I was moving really slow uh, with elk. Like the things that get you are the cows, so even though I know I got this bull in front of me, as I take a step, I'm glassing to my left and to my right in the trees, trying to pick up any cows that are going to catch me moving, trying to get close on this bull. So probably took me longer, you know, longer than it should, but not really longer than it should, if that makes sense. It's like that's the speed I needed to move to not get busted, but, you know, probably took a few minutes. And by the time I got there, that bull had got up and then moved up into the left back up to the cows up there and so I didn't see him get up or move it was kind of in a bunch of cover and I put trees in between me and him and he was over this bench so I didn't even see him get up and move as I was trying to stay concealed as I moved that last 40 yards but so I I really you know I wasn't sure if that was the same bull or not but I had to just go in that direction like up and to the left and I had a good wind and uh, just started still hunting my way through there, just trying to find these elk again, trying to find the cows, trying to find the bull. 
And I hunted quite a ways, two, three hundred yards, four hundred yards, of just working my way through the timber, and then I catch these cows, and they're right in front of me. They're kind of up and to my right, and I have a left to right wind. Um, so you know, I'm pretty good because the it's also coming downhill, but I just in a weird spot in the mountain there. I'm not sure. I think I like got in the timber, and now the thermal winds are pushing up and through the timber instead of. Um, instead of the directionals that are kind of going down and, and left to right. Um, cause the wind was perfect all night long, perfect all the way up on that stock. And I just got in this spot in the timber where it started to get fickle. And so I'm watching these cows in front of me, bull sounds off a couple times. I can't see the bull yet. So I actually try to like back out of there and I want to circle around and get even a better wind and come in on the right side of them. And just as I'm backing out. I feel a little wind on the back of my neck, and they blow out of there. Uh, so, yeah, it just is what it is. Just got winded. It was like where I caught those elk and where they were um, in the weird wind in that basin or in that bowl or in that timber or whatever it was. But um, I did get busted on that bowl. And keep hunting, and it's cool hunting new terrain in places I've never hunted, um, which is really neat. And, uh, but it, it is more roaded country. There's more access and I'm hunting where I have this moose tag. So, you know, hopefully I can, uh, double as a scouting trip for moose and then, you know, get ready for this tag that opens tomorrow. So, um, I've been hunting up there, got on another great bull, great 320 bull, spotted him the night before and just couldn't get to him. It's maybe a mile and a half, two miles as the crow flies, which is about four miles walking, and I just didn't have enough light. So the next morning, I start working my way up these benches, and there's not really a master vantage point. Like, if I go back to my master vantage point, I'm going to be a mile and a half away from him, and he's going to put away before I can get a play. So I'm just hunting my way up these benches, and I caught an elk up on the hillside and some more, and then, gosh, there's about 50 cows spread up all over this hillside, and they're like at 10,000 feet. And it's got this one great six-point bull, spotted another five-point in there. So I make my way up, and as I'm going up, you know, I've got a downhill wind, a downhill thermal. And I really can't cut underneath these elk just because there's so many of them. And so I decide that I'm going to work alongside them on the left side of them. I'm going to work all the way to the ridge. And by the time I get to the ridge, the thermal should be changing and should be coming up. And I played it perfect. Wind coming down at my face that whole morning, and I'm just a few hundred yards away from them, crossing on the left-hand side. And then as soon as I get to the ridge, the wind's screaming up at me. And, man, I played it perfect. I got above this ridge, and I get above these elk. I'm down there glass, and I can see all the cows. They're 80 to 100 yards down below me. And I'm just looking for the bull, trying to decide my next move. I was there for like a few minutes. And all of a sudden, I hear a bugle down below me that's a human. And they're bugling down below this bull in the timber with a bad wind. I was just like, oh, man, got to be kidding me. But um, they bugled. Bull bugles back, they bugle, bugle, and the the bull bugles back, but he's not coming into him. He's gathering up his cows and getting the heck out of there. So it starts blowing up, and they're moving along this cliff edge. And so I move up and I I peek over the cliff edge and I've got that six point bull and I get a range on him. He's sixty and then sixty five, seventy, just not stopping. 
So I duck back over the cliff face and I run down a little bit further and I come up over the edge again. And there he is again, 60 yards, 65, 70, just moving behind these cows. And I see the cows out in front of me and they're headed towards the saddle. And so I book it to the saddle. I mean, I'm actually running to the saddle to cut them off. And I get to the saddle right as the cows pop up at 45 yards, 50 yards, and they're filing out into this saddle. And then here comes the bull. And so I have a range where he's at and at 50 yards, uh, draw back. And Bulls just keeps walking, and those cows had got out in front of him a little bit, and so he's 50, 55, and 60, and so I make a cow call with my mouth, and he was having no part of it. That sped him up. He moved even faster, so I didn't get a shot. He rolled over the ridge and says, dang it, man. Oh, oh well, it is what it is. I've got this long, super long walk back to the truck now, and so uh, I start cruising down and out, and uh, gosh, I hear somebody whistling down below me, and I'm like, oh, that must be... Those guys that were bugling, you know, gosh, I, I don't really want to talk right now. Like, I, I, I thought he was whistling at me because he thought I was his buddy. Um, and so, like, I just started heading right, and then I cross a blood trail. And so I walk down the blood trail and say hi to those guys. And it's a really good blood trail. And um, so I walk down there, and they had shot a bull. They had shot that five point down below me, and that's kind of that. Plus the bugling is kind of what blew everything up, but... um had a great blood trail and weren't sure where they hit it with the first arrow, second arrow hit back like in the rump. Uh, but it looked like they got the femoral walking down that blood trail. So I told them blood trail looked really good. I never saw that five point pop out with the herd, with the six and all the cows. So, you know, I think he's, uh, he was going uphill, which is a little strange, but uh, with a muscle hit like that or that femoral, he was just pumping blood out. So I'm sure they found their bull there. There was um, three of them. The one guy had gone back to kind of glass up for the bull. So they were going to be a bit before they took up the trail. You know, I would have helped if they would have needed my help, but um they didn't, and so I just snuck back out of there, and I'm sure they collected their bull and got them all packed out of there. But, um, yeah, that's been my elk hunting now, just back at work and um, back getting it. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to get back out and after it. Man, the fall just comes and goes so quick, and it's just making the most of it, really enjoying our time out there. And, like, already, if the season was to end, I just had these amazing adventures and um, been going all over the place, been able to hunt mule deer and antelope and elk and now moose coming up. Uh, so, uh, just so killer. Um, man, I just can't get enough of it. It's so fun. So, um, yeah, I've got, got to, well, I don't have my gear ready. I got to get everything ready to go. I'm kind of flying by the seat of my pants right now with how busy I am with everything. Uh, but just trying to get back to the woods where I can get some hunting in. I got a cameraman that's going to come over, try to capture some elk and moose hunting there for a few days. So we'll try to capture, capture the hunt that way. But, um, yeah, just going to keep on keeping on, keep after him here and, and, uh, keep getting my work done, but so fun. Uh, really happy for you guys, man. A lot of you guys have been successful and, um, I just appreciate the messages and, uh, thanking for thanking me for the podcast. And I just love this community we built and how everybody's improving their skill sets and getting better and really nice to see you guys succeed as well. So, uh, man, keep after it. That's the podcast. Uh, remember that promo code for black Ovis is elevated 10, save you 10% on your order. Uh, also, um, just want to thank Onyx. Um, I want to thank Matthews. Uh, I want to thank Camo Fire. Um, thanks to those guys for their support of the podcast. Appreciate it. And um, man, uh, with that, checking with you guys next week.